0: Hello, and welcome to the G2 podcast. Alright, so we're going to be looking at um, the parable of the wedding banquet today. Who has ever been involved in planning a wedding? Your own wedding, or a significant person, Luke, a tiny bit involved, not really, um, So, you know what it's like. I remember the very first wedding that I went to as an adult. So, I hadn't been to a wedding probably since I was about six when I was a bridesmaid. And when you're that age, you just have no idea really what's going on. And then the first uh, one that I was invited to when i just graduated um, university my friend was getting married down in Tunbridge Wells does anyone know where Tunbridge Wells is I don't it's so far away R- like below London just really really far away and um, so we said yes that we would go and we went down for the weekend and um it was a f- it was a like not a really close friend from uni um and actually I-, I literally haven't seen her since um so probably wasn't worth the trip um but my uh, very best friend was a bridesmaid and uh, she asked me to do her hair for her so on the morning of the wedding I went over and I was doing my friend's hair and she said to me what are you doing um like after the ceremony um where have you guys got plans are you you going somewhere and I was like well aren't we just going to the wedding like to the next bit and then she was like oh no no you're like evening only and I was like what like I had no idea that there's two levels of invitations for a wedding. Um, So we'd made this massive trip to Tunbridge Wells and we were evening only guests. Then we had to like knock around Tunbridge Wells all afternoon to go to a party definitely wasn't worth the petrol money Um, and then when we uh planned our own wedding a couple of years later then you discover the world of having to rate your friends right so you've got suddenly your friends and family have to go in order and then you have to decide who makes first tier friendship and who makes second tier and who doesn't even get invited it's awful Um, and then you like you might have someone that has agreed to say sing at your wedding really their second tier but they kind of have to get bumped up to first tier because they've agreed to sing for free right we've all been there um or i remember names appearing on our list people i'd never even heard of and it turned out it was like luke's dad's second cousin's daughter and she had to be at the whole thing and i was like who are these people and then i don't know if this has ever happened to you it hasn't happened to me but i've been part of the decision making if a first tier person pulls out, then a second tier person gets bumped. Has anyone ever got the bump? The bump up? Megan's got it, yeah. So on the morning of the wedding, sometimes you get the phone call. Hey, you're now invited to the whole thing. Ooh, lucky me. I've got plans actually. I can't come. <laughs> this whole world of first and second tier friendship. So imagine planning a wedding or a big party and imagine going for it financially. You're going to spend all the money. The average cost of a wedding in the UK is about £17,000 now. I'm sure none of us have spent that amount on our weddings. Um, So imagine you're like going for the best catering, you're going to go for all the drinks. You're, no one's going to have to pay for drinks. You've got some a band booked and or a, a DJ, a chocolate fountain. They are not fashionable anymore. Oh, a, a sweetie cart. Everyone loves the pick and mix sweetie carts, don't they, at weddings? Um, and imagine you're planning it for months and months. And as you're planning it, you're telling everyone, you're letting people know what your plans are. You're excited about it. Um, you're... You know, telling them to save the day, you're making your individual um, party favours, ordering decorations and cakes, the whole lot. And finally, the time comes for those invitations to go out and they're custom designed and they're printed on really fancy silk paper and they get posted and you've set up a digital reply service so that people can reply online. So you're like waiting two days later for those first replies to come in and nothing comes in. Imagine this, a couple of weeks go by and not one person has responded to your invitation. And then you check in one morning and someone has replied. They replied at 2am, that's a bit weird, it's a friend from school. And the reply just says, ha ha, very funny jokes on you. What does that mean? And later, your aunt replies with a simple, sorry, it's too far. But they live 15 minutes away. What does she mean? And then another reply comes in Can I let you know nearer the time? I'm not quite sure what my plans are for that day. And another I probably can make it if you could give me a lift. And one person even sends a photo of the invitation ripped to shreds and being used as hamster bedding. Can you imagine the confusion that you would feel? It's like nobody cares. It's like they're not committed to coming. They want to see if they're going to get a better offer first. So, what would you do? Never mind first tier or second tier, these people surely just became 10th tier friends. And so today we're looking at a parable where God tells this sort of a story. It's in Matthew 22, so if you've got your Bibles and want to read along, then just grab them now or your phones. So we're starting at verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who'd been invited to the banquet to tell them to come but they refused to come. Then he sent more servants and said tell those who've been invited that I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So in this story that Jesus told, the father of the groom had prepared everything for the wedding. No expense spared, all the best stuff, everything was ready. But a bit like our example, when the invitations went out, people ignored it. They refused to come and they even beat up the servants who had brought the invitations. So the king then does what I think any of us would do. Decide, fine, those people don't deserve to come, and so he goes and finds people who actually want to come and enjoy this party. Anyone who recognised what a wonderful invitation this was deserved to be there. And so people came, not based on whether they were first-tier friends or second-tier friends, not even based on whether they were good people. Simply by accepting the invitation, they had a place. Except for one man who did accept the invite. But he couldn't be bothered to go and get changed, and he just turned up in his trackies in a hoodie. <laughs> Obviously, it doesn't say that, but he wasn't in his wedding clothes, and so the king ties him up and throws him out. We'll come back to that one. But let's unpack this a bit. So this is a metaphor for the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that at the start. And let's notice that there is a father in this story, and there's a bridegroom, but there's no mention of a bride here. Throughout the Bible there's many references to Jesus being the groom and the church being his bride. In Isaiah 62 it says, "As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you; as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you." Hosea 2:16 says, "In that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband; you will no longer call me my master." And in Matthew 9, Jesus said, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. So I think we, the church, in this story, are both the bride and the guests that are being invited. And then maybe you'll relate more to one than the other. Jesus is saying that people have been invited to the kingdom, but they've rejected that invitation, they've ignored it, they've mocked it, they've ripped it up, they've beaten up the inviters, and they're not coming. And our Father in heaven is not going to wait around for them to change their mind. Instead, he throws that invitation wide open. And this parable is also reported in Luke 16 where the king says, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And after that has happened, there's still room for more people. So then the king says, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So in in Luke's version, there's just more and more room. This is a huge party. There's no limit to the places. And anyone who says yes, anyone who recognise what a gift this is, can come and have a place in the kingdom. It doesn't matter how important you are, how good you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus or how hard you've tried to keep the commandments. It doesn't matter how generous you've been or how selfish you've been. It doesn't matter if you have struggled with things, if you continue to struggle with things or if you've overcome them. The requirement is simple. Accept the invitation. This is radical inclusiveness. Everyone has a place at the table. But that radical inclusiveness comes to a sudden halt when the king encounters that guest who's not properly attired. And there's a touch of sarcasm with what he says. How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? He's clearly not his friend. Now, I really, really hope the issue here is not actually what the man is wearing, because I spend 90% of my time in active wear, and I don't think I'm going to get into heaven based on that. I think it's about something else. Although, I have wondered if this is where the idea of going to church in your Sunday best comes from. I wonder if this is the the scripture that started that rumour. So... Being clothed or being robed can be found in other parts of Scripture. So if we look at Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, For the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. So here Isaiah is comparing, he's using this phrase, clothes of salvation and robes of righteousness, and comparing them to wedding clothes, which is linked directly to the parable that Jesus tells. But what are clothes of salvation or robes of righteousness? Well, the only way for us to get saved is through Jesus and by laying down our lives for him and putting Jesus at the center by giving up, relinquishing our own control. And when we do that, we're changed. Our lives become not about us anymore, but about following him. And in Colossians, Paul wrote, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are some of the outward signs of someone who has been transformed by the power of Jesus. Clothes of salvation is a metaphor for the change that happens when we truly accept Jesus into our lives. And so this man in this parable who's not wearing his wedding clothes, perhaps he wanted to come to the party. Perhaps he wanted the fun bits, the good food, the drink. But he didn't want to fully accept the death and resurrection of Jesus. He didn't want to fully let go and step into it. He didn't want to be changed. Or perhaps he was there under false pretense and like was trying to trip people up or sort of get in the way. But either way, he was easy to spot because he hadn't been changed. He wasn't visibly different. This invitation is for everyone. But saying yes means making a change. It means wearing different clothes. It means walking to a different beat. And it means accepting a new life. It means being transformed from the inside. And so the timing of this parable is really important because, like Luke said, we've been reading the book of Matthew for quite a long time now. It's actually 70 weeks ago today that we started at the start of Matthew. And I know not everyone's been a part of G2 for that amount of time and some people have joined along the way. But as a community, we've been pressing into every part of this gospel, not picking and choosing, but addressing everything so that we can engage with what it was like to be a disciple of G2 and what that means for us today and Jesus's public ministry we think was about two two and a half to three years just based on the fact that the Passover meal is mentioned three times um, so that, that gives us an idea because that's every year so we've been basically reading this on double speed okay so it's not that long we could take three years over it and where we're up to in this story in this gospel where Jesus is is one week before his death He's just arrived in Jerusalem, ready for the week of the Passover festival. And at the end of this week, he's going to be put to death. And he knows what's coming. He knows there's one week left. So let me ask you, what would you do if you had one week left? And I don't mean if you just find out right now you're going to die in a week, because probably there's going to be some processing to do around that and a bit of grief to deal with. But what if you just knew, this is it, the next seven days, they're my last Seven days. And you're not ill, you're not dying, you're healthy, you're well. You've got seven days left. Have you got a bucket list? Are you going to try and get everything done on your bucket list? Is there people you'd want to spend time with in this last week? And I wonder would you use some of this time to tell people that they're invited to this party, to this place that you're going and this place that you're already in? into the kingdom of heaven where all are invited because what I notice in this last week of Jesus life is he gets a bit of fire in his belly I really like Jesus in the last couple of weeks of his life he's kind of like done with inviting people who should get invites he's done with telling nice parables they have people haven't responded they've laughed at him and they've mocked him and they're going to beat him but the party's going ahead regardless and so with one week left to live, Jesus just throws this invitation wide open. So what does this mean for us today? Well, first of all, the invitation is for you and you personally. And I think because that we say that a lot, we, we know that we're all invited, it can get a bit lost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God loves me. Great. But let's make sure we really know that, that that invitation is for each of us individually Let's just do a check of ourselves. Are we making excuses? Are we waiting to see if there's a better offer? Are we ignoring the invitation? Or are we saying yes? Are we fully accepting this invitation to God's kingdom? Are we all in? And are we wearing our wedding clothes? Are we daily putting on these clothes of righteousness? Accepting not just the life of Jesus, but the way of Jesus and the death and the resurrection and all that holds are we saying yes in every single way and secondly are we inviting others to join this party are we letting people know this is not exclusive are we also throwing the doors wide open and letting people know that they can come along that there's a place for them as well And I would really love it if this term, we're going to spend a whole term going through the last week of Jesus's life, if we can really get hold of some of this energy that Jesus has, the energy we see in this parable. The time is now. Now is the time to tell people. Now is the time to invite people. Yeah, invite people to church, invite people to your small group, but invite them into your homes and into your lives. A few years ago I played netball on a a team and um, there was one particular girl that I was pretty good friends with but we only ever played netball and then a couple of times a year we'd go out for drinks and um, her name was Sharon and her husband would come and watch and Luke would come and watch and we kind of got to know each other a bit and one day I said to Sharon hey would you guys like to come for dinner at our house one day and she looked really freaked out because this isn't what people did they don't invite people for dinner like we're netball friends we just go out for drinks and that's it and i regret that i never followed up on that and i never made it happen because it was countercultural and because she looked a bit freaked out by it, i mean maybe she just didn't want to be friends with me but i think it was because it was countercultural and she was confused by it but i wish that i'd done it i wish i'd been the person that was countercultural in that moment you know everyone goes for coffee these days don't they let's go for coffee let's go out for coffee but why don't we be people that invite people in Maybe in your workplace, no one ever does anything outside of work. So why don't you be the person to invite and take that next step? Be the person that's countercultural? Maybe with your mates, people go out all the time and they get drunk and they go dancing. But there's very little deep and meaningfulness in the friendships. So let's be the people that do that. Let's be be the people that invite people around for dinner and create a place where people can be real. Or maybe on your street, everyone sends Christmas cards and waves hello to each other, but no one ever actually invites them into your home for a cup of tea. So let's be the people that do that. Before Christmas, when we had Beesum Sunday, sort of end of November, one of the um, hampers that we made was for a Ukrainian family. And I realised that they lived pretty locally to here. So I asked um, if I could take that hamper and I went round with my boys and we delivered the hamper. And it was um, a young family with a nine-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl and um, they came to the door and let us in and we had a lovely chat in the house and then later on I thought to myself I wonder if she'd want to go for coffee I don't know it turns out her kid goes to the same school as my kid they're in different year groups but I was like I wonder if she'd want to go for coffee and I wasn't sure but the thing that that changed it for me is my really good friends Dan and Susie Finn that used to be at G2 they moved to away over a year ago and when we caught up with them over the summer, still a year later, no one's invited them around for dinner. No, they, they've got four kids in different schools. No one has invited them because people don't invite anymore. And so I text this uh, Ukrainian lady named Ghana and I said, do you want to go for coffee? She replied immediately. And we, we had coffee here with the boys and we had a great chat. And then I said, do you want to come for dinner? And she replied immediately, I'd love to come for dinner. So we had them booked in. Unfortunately, um, Yagor, the boy, he was ill. He couldn't come. We got another date in. He was ill again. He couldn't come. Then they've been away visiting family. But just on Sunday, after they'd got back, she texted me and she said, we're back. Can we still come? <laughs> so we've got them booked in for, for Friday. And she's already said, and then we would love to have you around for some Ukrainian food. And then this week, I've been ill in bed. And I'd, I'd said to her, oh, not this week because I'm ill, but maybe next week. And um, she, she's, she texts me and she said, I've just realised you've got two dogs, do you need help walking them? So even though she's not yet been round for dinner, the invitation has opened the door to a friendship. There are people all around us that have never been invited. They've never been invited for dinner, they've never been invited for a real friendship, they've never been invited to church. People that want to come, they want to know more, they're exploring it. And like Luke said before, we don't really exist for the people that already know Jesus, or we don't just exist for the people that already know Jesus. Our purpose here is discover, live, tell. And if we are discovering and if we're living it out, we are going to get spiritually fat unless we share it. We cannot keep feasting on the good news, but not ever share it with the people around us. So let's live as if this is our last week. Let's live as if this is our last chance to invite people to the best party. Why don't we just finish with prayer. Just hold your hands out. Can I just suggest you hold your hands closed as if you're holding an invitation. God, thank you for this invitation that each of us hold in our hand this personalised invitation that you have written and you have said you are invited you have a place at this party and as you hold your invitation maybe there's some words written on it that God just wants to say to you right now maybe you can see some words or hear some words You are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you deeply. What words does God want to say to you now to encourage you? And then let's open our hands up to share that invitation. And as we do that, as we hold our hands open, let's ask God, who around us wants to receive this invitation? Maybe some faces or names will come to mind for you. Maybe you have invited people and they've said no, and that has been hard. It's hard when people say no, but let us not, let us not be stopped by that. Help us to be people that invite. Help us to be people that invite friends into our lives. Because if we are wearing clothes of salvation and robes of righteousness, then when we invite people in, they will surely see that they will see there is something different and they will see the invitation to the party. It is not about us doing something or being something that we're not. But let us be people that walk in step with you and we ask you to shine lights on people that want to know you and want to be invited. Do. Let's stand. Let's worship together.